Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. That's It's like the Good Friday vibe. Is that this, this song sets the tone for the weekend. I'm thinking about how this could, like, perfectly walk us right into mm. All-Star Weekend, where it's nothing but vibe, nothing but partying for the That's NHL players this weekend. They're going to be playing this the song. The players, the media. The I've, me- see, oh, I've the seen media. your Instagram posts. The media right now. Everyone... Busting out like how, how many people had to go to storage to get the the summer vibe oh, yeah. shirts? Oh out. yeah, little party ups, shirts. Yeah, the Kenny flowers. Let me get one. Let me get the one with the little cocktails on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's a fun shirt. That's every, flirty. Every that's guy, flirty. Everybody there uh, going. Is it? Let me get my, fun, let me get my fun shirts out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so the yeah. fun shirts are out. Uh, everyone, also, everyone's getting burnt to. I a was going to say SPF 50 or above for that crowd. Yeah. The pastiest group of people I've ever seen uh, was during the World Cup this year. They put the Welsh supporters section directly in the sun in Qatar. I don't mm-hmm. know why they would do that to those men. That's the most sunburned group of people I've ever seen in my life. I have a feeling also on that <laughs> Mount Rushmore is yes. the entire media conglomerate in, uh, in whatever part of Florida they're it, in. Uh, we have Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer for ESPN, on the line. Is that true, Greg? Is the sunburn per 60 just <laughs> off the charts at this moment? <laughs> I, I, I can't speak for anybody else. I can only speak for myself, and I, I have to say yes. Uh, I, I've been outside twice here <clears throat> to cover, uh, like, a golf event thing and then to cover, go to the Fan Fest yesterday. The golf event thing was at, like, 4 in the afternoon. Hot. And so I felt pretty good about life. Like, I, I didn't get burned. It was, like, good. And then, like, I spent six hours at the Fan Fest yesterday and uh, came back and, and was – was the kind of sunburn that's noticeable. Uh, and also, so the greatest thing about it is that um, I'm, I'm going to be on Daily Wager today before the uh, skills competition on ESPN2. And I told him, I said, look, I, I'm more than happy to come on. Just be wary of the fact that I do have a pretty noticeable sunburn. And then they said, they said that's great. Great. So I, I guess, Love it. I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess my, my irresponsibility at applying uh, suntan lotion is uh, now content uh, for my network, so that's good. Everything is. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't deal well with heat at all. Like, just doing, like, the jo- like, just doing a job in, in the summertime is, like, an <laughs> issue for me, so I can't imagine that it's not a, a, you know, a wrench being thrown at a bunch of hockey reporters now. I went to one All-Star game. It was in San Jose, and it was, like, so... It was cool, and it was just beautiful. It was like, I thought it might be really hot, but it wasn't. I think Sunrise is a completely different ballgame. Now, you said you were at the, the golf event, and these things are pre-taped, right? So we know you know how the golf event went? I do, yeah. Not that I'm not, we're obviously not asking for spoilers, but, like, I want to ask you about the novelty items, the new items. Is there anything, and I guess you can leave out the golf event because, uh, no spoilers, but there's something novelty-wise <laughs> at the All-Star Game in Florida this year that has particularly caught your eye. Well, it's like it's not a secret like either of these events. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about both of them is that the general public was at the golf event. Um, it wasn't the general public. There was like it was like uh, Panther season ticket holders and then some people at the club. And then yesterday at the dunk tank event, there was like sixteen hundred people there. So it, it's it's the funniest juxtaposition of like of like uh, of priorities where. They allow the media to come to cover these things. They're like, you're under strict embargo not to talk about it or write about it until this thing airs. And meanwhile, you got a bunch of yokels with their phones out filming the entire thing. And, and I'm surprised that, like, the entire event hasn't already hit, you know, um, TikTok. But so I will say that both of those events are really cool. I love the the innovation from Steve Mayer of the NHL um, and the rest of his group to 
tailor some of the skills competitions to the locality where the all-star game is being held. Like we saw the Vegas strip stuff, obviously golf and water are both synonymous with, uh, with Florida. Um, so both events, I can tell you went off really well. <clears throat> the boys are, we're, we're very much into both of them. Um, there's going to be some laughs. There's obviously like part of this, all these guys are mic'd up. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how they put them together because watching them in real time, you could tell that they had some some really cool stuff happen during these events. Well, and that's one of the things of like it's it's almost like a dirty thing in our business because you know this was before my time, but it's like all we ever wanted was the stuff on TV. Like you always hear about these stories of oh the tape delay finals in in the you know the more for NBA and that type of thing. But the idea of prepackaging this and making it the best it can be, you know, I I think back to some of the Bellagio stuff, and it was there the, you know there are always these cool ideas, but when you try to do it live, you're just going to have these little lulls. And so the idea of prepackaging it ahead of time, I think, makes it only more, more, more entertaining. You know, you mentioned the personalities there, and I think that's always a interesting thing when we talk about growing the game or selling the game or allowing people to, you know, realize who these guys are. Do you think it's a cognizant effort NHL players are making to come out of their shells more? Do you think it's just a new generation of players? Do you think it's all overstated and they haven't come out of their shells all, all that much? You know, what, what what do you think is happening with the NHL in terms of, you know, trying to have more engaging personalities? Because it feels like even the idea of like a real villain in the sport, like I guess that's Brad Marchand by default, but it's like, I don't know, he's like a C-plus villain at best. We could do better, I feel like. How do you feel the NHL <laughs> is doing in terms of you know personalities and growing the game in that regard well he's only he's only a villain in toronto these yeah days. okay like, this is true yeah. you it, guys well, are the and greg By even, the way, even uh, here uh, even here we're like oh that dastardly villain but you have to respect him and you would kill yeah, for him yeah, on yeah. your team like yeah, it's yeah. like even that is how we talk about the villain Without question. I will say, by the way, on the pre-tape versus live thing, I wrote about this this morning in our roundtable on ESPN about the All-Star game. It's kind of like the Saturday Night Live debate where, you know, when you watch SNL, the sketches are always, like, fun because they're dangerous and chaotic. <laughs> and But at the same time, like, it, the pre-taped commercial parodies are, like, Amazing. not in keeping yeah. with the spirit of the show. But they're always the best. Mm-hmm. Like, they're always hilarious. And you have to kind of, like, excuse the fact that they're not live. Um from the personality perspective, I think a couple things have happened with the All-Star Game over the years. Um, one, uh, they've gotten better with getting selecting players that want to be here and, and not being sticklers about guys that don't want to be here. And, and by that I mean sometimes we are tasked with talking about All-Star snubs, you know, guys that didn't get selected. And it's tricky because, you know, behind the scenes, you have guys that simply don't want to go. Maybe they went last year. Maybe they've got something cooking with their family during the break. Maybe they're just, like, old. Like, there's a number of guys that communicate to their teams, hey, not this year. And then the NHL acquiesces and says, that's fine. You know, you, you didn't, like, get selected and then bag out, so we have to suspend you. You just said, not not this time, and that's fine. So there's – so they've been, get, they've been getting better with not forcing guys to do this thing if they don't want to do it. And that's helped. The other thing that's helped is that it's a younger league. So there's a novelty to having, you know, Jack Hughes there for the first time last year. There's a novelty to having some of the players that we had this year for the first time. Like it's, it's, a, it's an energy that they bring to the skills competition, to the game itself, and to the proceedings because they're not jaded by any of this. Um, and I think that's really helped sort of push – this event forward a little bit is is, is literally you need to have people buying into it 
And, and I think that they've done a much better job of, of cultivating a group of players that do buy into it. And by the way, like one of those players is Sidney Crosby, which is amazing to me. Sid did the dunk tank thing. Sid and Ovechkin are partnering on the breakaway challenge tonight. I don't know what's happened where, as you, I mean, you guys remember, like back in the day, the story of Sidney Crosby in the All-Star game was, what excuse will he come up with not to show up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, and he was notorious for skipping this thing, but now he's 36. You know, now he's done this a lot. And now all of a sudden, like, like he is the guy who went to the NHL and said, I want to be in the dunk tank thing. And that is mind blowing to think about <laughs> a player of that magnitude and fame and influence at his age being like, yeah, let's, let's have some fun. But that's it. I mean, that's where he is at, at, uh, at this stage of his career. So I wanted to ask you about uh, Crosby and Ovechkin teaming up for the NHL breakaway challenge. Like a part of me, like, it hurts me a little bit. Like I, I kind of like a lot of my <laughs> hockey fandom was like Sid versus Ovi. Like, this is what I get fired up about. This is the most important thing. This rivalry is the NHL. Now they're just like, now they both won cups yeah, and we're fat, all old now. fat and happy. And now they're just teaming up. Like, are, are you okay with Sid and Ovi being cool? Yeah, it's jarring. It's, it reminds me of when I was a kid and uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Cheek <laughs> were caught in a car with drugs on the New Jersey Turnpike. And you're like, how can that happen? You're mortal enemies. One of you is the American hero and the other one is the Iranian bad guy. It makes no sense. Um, it, crushes, it crushes your preconceptions. Now, I, the thing about Ovi and Sid that's been it great. Would be, it would be slightly is, more jarring if Ovi and Crosby got caught in that exact scenario. That would be slightly more jarring, yeah. <laughs> you're completely right. You're completely right. I think, I think what, what's cool about them is that, like, over the years at the All-Star Game, they've definitely developed a friendship. You know, you see them sitting together on the boards, you know, observing all of the youngins as they're doing their skills competitions. I think that the... The, in, the intensity and, and the animosity of their relationship has diminished over time as they've gotten older. And specifically, and I ran this past somebody the other day who knows Ovechkin a little bit, like I think specifically the Capitals winning the cup really mm-hmm. went a long way towards like thawing this relationship. You know, there was always this incredible imbalance between the two where Ovechkin had the statistical achievement. I mean, Crosby, no slouch, but obviously Ovi is um, en route to breaking one of the greatest records in sports history. And then Crosby had all the team success. And so, like, when Ovechkin and the Caps won the Cup and, by the way, defeated the the Penguins and Mm -hmm. reached that Cup, I think it really kind of, like allowed both of them to relax a little bit <laughs> and and ever since then they've they've sort of been i think a little bit more cordial like they exchange texts and stuff like mm. it's been a very different relationship and it's been it's been really cool to see you know it's it's like you know I, these guys defined a generation of hockey for us and and it's it, it'd be a shame if they really did like hate each other so how do, how do you think that function was it like ov could kind of relax once he won was it like sid sending a congratulatory te- congratulatory text like how do you like yeah that makes a lot of sense okay we both won we've both done it but the how that functioned how they came together was it just you know they looked aside at, at one of each other looked over their shoulder and they were hanging out at the all-star game without really knowing like what exactly do you think went into that and i you know that's a story worth telling i guess i i think in obi's case like you know winning the cup really did you know decrease pressure in a lot of ways in his life you know that was always the thing that they were chasing and unable to to accomplish and and you know not only that but i mean you have to remember also within the context of the penguins capitals rivalry they couldn't get one over on the Penguins either, like for, for years and years and years. So it's, it's, I just think those two things combined really allowed him to relax a little bit more. I mean, again, like let's not forget 
the level of catharsis we were dealing with with Ovechkin where he's making snow angels and public fountains in Washington, D.C. <laughs> because he's so happy that they won the Stanley Cup. Like, it's, it's that level of joy. But as far as their relationship goes, I just think that's a function of, of age. You know, like, at some point in your life, um, you, 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 you start to think about, okay, how many people really understand my plight? How many people really understand my life and, and what I've gone through? And, and those are people that you value because you can talk to them. You have shared experiences. And how many people have been Sidney Crosby? How many people have been Alex Ovechkin? Probably only Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. <laughs> like, like, this is like magic and birds. Like, these are two people that have had an incredible experience and are in such rarefied air as athletes within their sport that there's very few people that they can probably relate to, but except for each other. So, I mean, it's, it's natural that that sort of bond is going to develop over time. And plus just out of repetition, I mean, these guys have been in each other's world since 2005, right? So, I mean, that's a pretty long run to be synonymous with somebody else. And it's, I think it's just going to be a natural function of that to eventually form sort of some sort of bond. My fanfic version of this will be Gino Malkin playing a peacemaker between the two of them. But yeah, I completely agree with everything you're, you're saying there. The idea of it's only natural that eventually they would, they would drift together as a, as a, as opposed to apart. Apparently we've lost Greg Wyshynski. I was about to make a, I uh, heard that sound. I was like, did I hear, did, did I just hear the drop call sound? Did you hear the dunk sound? Yeah. yeah. So, so just like in what, dunk we've, tank. what we've been talking about, about the NHL and the idea of, you know, the next step forward is it feels like that's what's missing, right? Is there has been no rivalry individually after those guys you have team rivalries of course and Boston's gone on a great run and you know Tampa and Florida you thought hey these two great teams in the Atlantic and they had the one series and it's never really amounted to much of anything you know from a league perspective you know what they would want it to be and it'd be McDavid and Matthews I guess the problem is they're both in Canada. We have Greg Wyshynski back, so I'll just ask him about that. Uh, Greg, I was thinking about the yeah. idea of, okay, so you've had Crosby and Ovechkin. It's been this great rivalry. The fact that they can play each other in the playoffs pretty much every year only helps kind of, you know, shoehorn it along. But is that what the NHL's missing is kind of the next one of these? You know, we would take a team-based rivalry. Uh, we all loved Red Wings and, and Avalanche in, in the 90s. And, you know, we've seen the next iteration of that with a individual one in Crosby and Ovechkin. You know, do you think the league is kind of lacking that? It's marquee rivalry, be that team-based or individual. Yeah, no, God, yeah. Rivalries are not in a very good place right now in this league. I mean... For a while, they were trying to manufacture them. I mean, I don't know if you know, but here in the States, when NBC had the contract for the NHL, they'd have rivalry night, you know, every Wednesday night. (laughs) And sometimes rivalry night would be like the Bruins in the wild. And you're like, what is that even? That's not a rivalry, (laughs) you know? So like, so like they've tried to grow them. And, and so, you know, maybe part of it is the playoff format. Maybe part of it is, the, the way that the, the, the game has changed and, and we're having a hard time defining what a rivalry is. If it's not a blood rivalry and the lack of physicality and fighting and violence has sort of made us reconsider what a rivalry should be. Um, it, you know, it is a thing where, like you said, uh, you talk about Matthews and McDavid. I mean, obviously being in two different conferences doesn't help. Um, a lot of the stars are kind of spread out. I mean, one of the benefits of Obi and, and Sid was not only did their teams already have a rivalry going back to the Mario days, but they were also in the same division. They were meeting in the playoffs, you know, with frequency and, uh, and that only like exacerbated the personal rivalry. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I, I completely agree with you. I think for all the great things that are happening in the NHL with, with the skill, with the young stars, 
That we definitely heard Dastardly of that time. We definitely, definitely got it that time. I don't know. Maybe NHL media is like, don't talk about the lack of rivalries here. We're just don't about talk to get to that it. question about uh, diminishing TV numbers. Maybe. Somebody cut the cord there in the United oh, States. So double entendre. Didn't even mean it that way. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's crazy because I always make this reference point with Jamie Ben eight mm-hmm. years ago. What a, what an Art Ross season yeah. looked like eight years ago. Was was 87, 87 points. points. Yeah. And like, and, and where we are now, where we can't count the number of like elite, elite players that are going to soar beyond that number, right? It's in short order. Yep. This league got immensely more talented. And yet there is, I don't know if, I don't even want to say declining interest. I think people are viewing and uh, consuming the NHL in different ways, but there isn't that regular season intrigue. Like what's the best storyline? What's the best point of intrigue over the last couple of months of the season league wide? Like I, is it, are the Oilers going to make the playoffs? Yeah, they probably, they're, they're going to, yeah. they're probably going to, you know what the it problem would be bad if they didn't and people will be watching it if they struggle, but they're not going to struggle. They're going to be all right. The problem is, is that, and just you saying it, I'm, I'm sure other people have come to this realization as well, is that unfortunately the NHL is being consumed a lot like major league baseball where you consume everything about your team. Yeah. And if there's a couple big bad boys in the division, like I imagine if you're a Sens fan, you just sit here and you think like a Jays fan did in the early 2000s of, okay, yeah, the Yankees and the Red Sox are just going to go through it again. And that's kind of the problem you're having is that just so many things are are set in stone already. We now welcome back in uh, Greg Wyshynski again. We're just saying the league didn't like you talking about the the lack of marquee rivalries. And they're like, you know what? Get them off there. We don't need this uh, this <laughs> this bad press. But, you know, when you when you look at it, it just it does feel like there have been areas where you could have a great rivalry, like the Leafs and Lightning, in theory, should be this great rivalry, but there isn't the animosity. It's just a team they they play every year, and it sometimes seems like when you try to force these things to happen, it can't. They have to come about organically. Like, who would have thought Red Wings and Avalanche would have been the rivalry it was? Well, Claude the Mew would have thought, and that's what happens. Sometimes right. you need that spark moment, and it feels like we're all just kind of sitting around waiting for one to happen. It's how it feels like sometimes. Right, but I mean, again, like part of that is also inherent nastiness. I mean, the nastiness in that is is legendary. I mean, my God, we made like a thirty for thirty about it. It was so, <laughs> it was <good>. so nasty. <laughs> and then, and then, like you know, the the last maybe really significant rivalry we had, I, I, in my opinion, might have been San Jose and Vegas, um, and and yeah. those two teams really hated each other. And, and I think a lot of that also was born from physicality. What happened to Pavelski, for example? So, you know, it, it's. I, I think, like I said earlier, it's it's just that we're, our hockey brains are, are are tuned to look at a rivalry a certain way. It's got to smell and taste a certain way, and and hockey's different now. Like it's 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 a faster, cleaner, less physical sport, and you know the intensity of those rivalries could easily just still exist. It's just that we have to kind of learn how to reprocess what they look like, maybe if that makes sense. So. Yeah. Um, and, and, and because of, of that, I think that we are, we are, you know, sort of programmed to think, oh, these aren't as intense as they were <clears throat> 10 years ago. And maybe that's the case and, and maybe not, but yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line for me is that rivalries used to be the easiest thing in this league to sell, but now I think it's kind of difficult to even find one that you can sell. Uh, so I got to ask you about the tweet, Greg, which may or may not be lacking context, but uh, a report that 22% decline on viewership uh, south of the border uh, for the NHL. Uh, you can answer this as an ESPN employee or just a general NHL fan who's who's at the All-Star game. But how concerning is this and how much has it like consumed all of the non 
you know, novelty item in Florida All-Star Game discussion happening amongst hockey people at, at the All-Star Game? Well, I can't really get into it. It's a, kind of an, an above my pay grade type conversation, but I, I will say that the the reporting done in Sports Business Journal and also <clears throat> from my friend John, Sean Gentilly at the Athletic, I think, um, really kind of captured the the essence of what's going on, which is that a lot of it is is scheduling. Like there there are more games this year on on the air, and um, some of those games are going up against the NFL here in the states. So if you if you kind of dig a little bit deeper than the tweet. Um, there are factors at play for why this is happening, but from an interest level, I don't think, I don't think it's really in sync with, with anything that's been reported ratings wise. Like I, I, every other metric is up and, uh, and clearly the NHL is, is on an upswing when it comes to attendance, when it comes to sales of merchandise and, and things of that nature. I think that they're in a good place right now. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to like about it. And like you said, anytime uh, you can be just about any entity in the world uh, and you go up against the NFL, you're you're going to lose. Like we've all seen the graphic of the most hundred watched broadcasts in the States. And it's like 97 football games and three election nights, pr- pretty much. So <laughs> we all we all know uh, what, what, what it is there. You know, in terms of interest, how much we talk about the rivalries there. And obviously, this is something a lot of people, especially here, have been opining for. But the idea of some flexibility with the cap, be it a soft cap, be it a luxury tax. I don't know. You can even go real crazy and have like a designated player system. You can play it, pay one or two guys, whatever you want. How much do you think the idea of some alleviation of the hard, hard cap and actual player movement being able to happen? Like the Bo Horvat trade, man, what a breath, fresh air, not talking about it, actually seeing it. He's playing on a different team now. And it just feels like those deals are so impossible to make right now. How much do you think that is affecting interest potentially? Because we all talk about the trades, we're all excited about them, but it feels like more times than not, they don't come to fruition. You know, we'd love Eric Carlson to get moved. Maybe the Sharks wouldn't, but I think everyone in the league would love to see him play a game that matters, you know, past the deadline this year, but it's almost certainly not going to happen because of the cap and his term and all of those things. Oh, I think that's been a problem for years. I mean, you know, it's a combination of the free agency rules, uh, you know, keeping, keeping players with their teams until they're like 27 or 28. Um, you know, that affects the hot stove league kind of conversation because they're not going anywhere. Like we never see offer sheets and then the cap really, you know, messes with your ability to get really nerdy about trade proposals. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's no fun to throw something out there and being like, you know, what if the Rangers got Bo Horvat and then immediately somebody goes to cap friendly and like, it's impossible. And so like, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't like, it doesn't help. I mean, it's not, it's not a, a positive thing to increase the conjecture and the conversation about your sport when, you know, everyone has to basically be an MIT, you know, engineer to figure out if, if trades are even possible with, with, with regard to the cap. Um, so yeah, that's, it's a bummer. And, and again, like it's a function of, of, um, of the salary cap really kind of restricting it to what is it like 20 guys at the most that might be on the move every year. Um, if that, and, and that really, it, it doesn't really make for a lot of exciting fan conversation. Uh, it wouldn't be an all-star weekend without an awkward media appearance. Uh, I think there's a couple candidates. Bo Horvat mm. would be probably a, an interesting <laughs> one. I think the Eric Carlson, despite him being very, very good in front of a microphone, uh, probably interesting as well. You caught up with Dylan Larkin. That one probably has a little spice or had a little spice to it. Uh, what media appearance, what like player it, you know, sticks out when, okay, you guys are circling and you want to hear from this player because there's actually something with substance that could come out from it. 
Yeah, the bow one was pretty was pretty well attended yesterday at the at the media day. Like, <laughs> you know, the idea that he is going to be making his debut as an Islander wearing the Fish Sticks jersey at the All Star game, and will be announced <laughs> as representing the Pacific Division, but a, uh, but a member of the New York Islanders. It's very confusing, and and yeah, you know, everybody got a chance to kind of like ask him about the his thoughts on the trade a few days afterwards and stuff. But the the Larkin thing yesterday was just interesting because. You could tell that he's he's getting a little frustrated by this process um, being public. You know, the Detroit Free Press reported on some numbers that I that Steve Eiserman had tabled uh, for Larkin, and you know, kind of put forth the idea of what the Larkin camp might be looking for. Um, he was pretty adamant in saying that there's been some you know lack of truth in in, in some of the reports that have come out about him and his contract. Um, I'm still pretty confident he's going to be a Red Wing. He said himself yesterday to me that he wants to be a Red Wing. But uh, it's one of those deals where when you get a kid that um, is super talented, captain of his team, um, and has never been in this position before, pending unrestricted free agent, and all of a sudden having your contract laundry aired out in public, you can tell it's a, it's a, it's a different world for him a little bit, and he's still kind of getting used to that. I, this whole notion of, Oh, by the oh yeah, the speculation and and everything is is part of what comes with this now. I guess related, Greg. Do you do you think a little of the Eiserman shine is wearing off? Uh, you know, it, sort of the expedite not expedited, but tr- trying to put a foot in the ground and have some progress this season with all the uh, free agent additions. It hasn't worked. I think he miscalculated on Nedeljkovic. I feel like you know the, the sorcery he was working with previously uh, may not be repeatable here. I think that I, so that's going to be judged by how their draft acquisitions work out because that's honestly like his calling card in, in, in Tampa wasn't, you know, necessarily acquisition of outside talent. It was, it was building this insane collection of, of players to uh, augment what, what was already there in Stamkos and Hedman. I mean, you know, think about like Platt and Kucherov and Vasilevsky and all those guys that, uh, that really formed the core of that team. So I think, I think Eisenman will ultimately be judged by, how some of the prospects that were drafted under his watch pan out the, the disappointment this year though. And I think you're right. I think, I think the Red Wings have kind of gotten a pass a little bit um, insofar, insofar as like being one of the most um, disappointing teams. I mean, we always talk about like Vancouver, for example, or the Islanders and, and the Red Wings aren't usually in that because they weren't expected to be a real cup contender, but they were expected to be relevant. And I, and I think they're not. And, and that's probably the biggest problem for Eisenman right now is that, the acquisition of Perron and Huso and, and Sherratt and all those guys, it was to push them close to the bubble. It was to give them that experience. It was to allow Mo Cedar and, and Raymond and all these young guys to get a, a taste of what that's like. And they're not even that, in that position right now, despite all that uh, free agent spending. So that's got to be a real bummer for Iserman and really positions the Red Wings as, as one of the bigger disappointments in the league this year. Uh, Greg, enjoy the festivities tonight and over the weekend. Uh, we appreciate you grinding through uh, a couple <laughs> phone issues, uh, but yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend and all the best moving forward throughout the rest of the NHL Thank season. Sunscreen. Thank you sunscreen, so much. Sunscreen, yeah, sunscreen. Sorry about all the, <laughs> I know God, right? Like it's, uh, I'm going to be, I'm just going to stay indoors. I think all day. Can't, I can't wait to get to the arena where I can go back to being a creature of the, of the night. Yes. The rink is cold. The rink is cold. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks boys.
Thanks, Greg. Uh, that was Greg Wyshynski, senior NHL writer at ESPN. Quickly, before we get to the break, we got to give away some tickets. Luke Bryan is coming to Bud's stage this summer on June 17th, and we've been giving away tickets all week long. Today is your final chance to score a pair of tickets to the show, and all you need to do is text our daily code word to 590-590 in order to enter. Today's code word is three words, crash my party. Text crash my party to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. If you don't win with us, make sure to visit Ticketmaster.ca to secure your tickets for Luke Bryan's June 17th show. Show, rather. Uh, They officially go on sale today at 10 a.m., so about 90 minutes from now, Luke Bryan at Bud Stage, June 17th. The Wake and Rake is next. Your last chance to get in. Your picks for tonight's action. Rockets and Raptors, a full slate of NBA Maybe you want to bet on uh, the NHL skills competition. Two events are already in the bag. A couple to come. Go tonight. ask some guy in Florida if you want to get a bet in. Apparently, they well, know. That, that was a big controversy last year when it was in Vegas. That's people right. knew, and I forget who won the blackjack thing, yeah. but people knew and were trying to get bets down, and they were voided, and there was a big thing. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they should be voided. Like, how much are you going to complain about that? Anyway, Wake and Rake <laughs> next. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. It's The Fan Morning Show with Justin and Brent. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Justin and Brent today. On the Fan Morning Show, Sports Sorry. 590, the fan. Textures get a little no, upset. No need do. to apologize. No, they, no, it's okay. Like, look, they're not upset that I'm here. They're just sad that Avalish isn't, and that's okay. That's it, perfectly it, it fine. happens. I mean, yeah, it happens. In, Let me tell you, when, when it's I'm not filling about in, you, we'll just I say was going to say, when I'm filling in for you, People don't seem to think it's such a downgrade. <laughs> that's all I got to say, okay? Well, that's, I guess that's a, that's a slight against me. Either way. Hey, we're both here. Okay. Either way, we're just trying to <laughs> we're trying to appease the masses and Ailish will be back. There you go. On Monday. But tonight, the NHL All-Star Skills Competition, 7 p.m. on Sportsnet. We don't we got the full like list of participants. There are a couple of competitions already completed. Greg did not Wasinski did not tell us who won the pitch and puck. Because he's a bad friend. Or the splash shot, I believe it's called, where you're dunking opponents into tanks. Still Sidney Crosby is apparently in that. I don't know if he went in the water. We didn't get any of that information. But, you know, apparently the two events went well. Still the funniest part of this is the umpteenth times I have heard Jeff Merrick refer to hamburgers as frozen frozen meat pucks for one of these events. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's just called a burger, Jeff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's, so, that I has know, been, I, that I has been think, my favorite part of the build-up I actually think it's an important this. distinction because I'd eat a hamburger. Whatever was intended for the alligators, mm, though, don't think I'd be into. I don't know. I feel like they're, they're eating good in Florida. You think so? I don't know. I feel like an alligator has equal rights to me in Florida, at the very least. Uh, either way, the marquee events at the skills competition i at least in my opinion yep fastest skater mm-hmm. and hardest shot Agreed. we do have lines for that okay. i think you could find lines for other things as well was a little controversy as we mentioned on the other mm-hmm. side of the break last year maybe they're trying to avoid that but right now fastest skater the field is set with dylan larkin being the favorite plus 260 kale mccarr plus 300 chandler stevenson chandler stevenson all-stars like i know i yeah great season 
that's probably the one that's when you're a oh, William Nylander okay. fan, that, that's the one that bothers you the most. No, this is what bothers me the most is that because my brain is so broken and warped, you know where I go to, he was the third number one center that the Canadians didn't have to play on their route to a Stanley cup final after Mark Shifley ejected <laughs> yes. himself from their series and Corey Perry ejected John Tavares. And then they're like, uh, also the golden Knights, uh, their number center, number one center is apparently some guy named Chandler Stevenson. And he can't play either. Even he can't play. So that is where my mind, goes to the deep dark recesses of the bubble yes the bubble the <sighs> bubble in the north division season there will always be torment and nightmares uh born from those years uh Kapriz- good for him though kaprizov fourth in the field <laughs> plus 450 and andre svechnikov plus 550 pretty even i think dylan larkin's won this before mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken i think he out he dueled dueled McDavid. mcdavid so plus 260s is not terrible on uh dylan larkin what well, Chandler stevenson can move kaprizov can move too and svechnikov i think is probably the one i least likely to pick out of those three but dylan larkin plus 260 is kind of calling my name so the the thing you have to think about with this and uh us not knowing these guys this makes it a fun uh, exercise is one who's gonna have the most fun at the all-star game because maybe you don't want that guy uh to be somebody you're picking true and I don't know, Dylan Larkin, he just looks like he's just a guy who drinks the nice glass of milk with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> in Michigan. I could see him behaving himself. Also, we just talked to Wish. Not that this is going to matter, but it's like, you know, this is a guy in a prove me season. He's heading into free agency potentially. You want to have this moment and he's done it before? Yes, Larkin. Yes. Kale McCarr, definitely probably having a glass of milk. However... <laughs> I think he's kind of like bashful, like, yeah. like yeah, oh, when, the, when the helmet's on and mm-hmm. it's a game, he can be full Kale McCarr, yeah. but when like helmet off, rosy cheeks, all the attention mm-hmm. on the world on you, I don't know if he really no. like will be dying to cross the finish line first. And of course he's probably the, you know, I don't know if it's not straight line speed, but I don't know if that's what makes Kale McCarr yep. the fa- as fast as he normally is. So uh, I think if you're looking at that, Larkin, maybe Kaprizov 450. Okay. I don't know if Chandler might be enjoying himself because this might be the first yeah, and only time first and for last. one Chandler Stevenson. The he's other like, one, he's like a caller. First time, first time, uh, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other one, hardest shot. I think that's normally like the last event. It feels like it's the the the. The night, the night reaches its crescendo with the hardest shot competition. The field is set with Ovechkin, Seth Jones. Oh, God. <laughs> Got to give him something to do. Seth Jones, <laughs> Rasmus Dahlin, Josh, Josh Morrissey. Those four are all between, oh, and all five. Elias Pettersson, 450. Ovechkin's the shortest odds at 300. Pedersen and Dahlin at 450. If I had to go anywhere, I'd go value at Dahlin 450. But you were mentioning there isn't that like imposing figure in the hardest shot. What anymore. happened to a defenseman who's 6'6 and could just lean on it? Like where I know like, he I know Jones is 6'6. Well, I know, I, I know, think, but I can know, he lean on like, it? Like I know he's hurt, but it's like this, like when I close my eyes, this is the event Aaron Eckblad's supposed to be really good at. Victor Hedman, he has done this event in the past. Who was the guy forever? It was the gentle giant until he doesn't want to be anymore. Zdeno Chara, he was always good at this. But if the NHL is going to go full gimmick and lead into this, and, uh, you know, this is a little mean, but he's not going to hear it, so I'll say it. And this guy's already got some of these features going for him and his lack of hair. Alex Ovechkin needs to throw on the old Al Iafredi jersey, and I don't care if he gets a skullet wig. I don't care if he just shaves his head. That's obviously not going to happen because he's too prideful, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be cruising around with that look in the streets in 2023 either. But 
Ally Afraidy throwback jersey, skullet, wig of some kind on Ovechkin. That's what you got to do. Uh, but I wouldn't be betting him in this event at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, <laughs> I think we, we've entered full degen mode if you are betting on these things. However, I think it's worse to bet on the actual All Star Game and tournament, the three on three competition uh, that will happen. Uh, I believe Saturday. Right now, the that's Atlantic, unhinged. The Atlantic is plus two twenty five <laughs> okay. to win it out. The Pacific with Connor McDavid. The longest odds at 325. I mean, if you're going to do anything, at least take the longest you odds gotta, because it like, doesn't there's matter. There's no point. Yeah. It's about who's having the most fun, who cares. And if you are going with the team with the best player, that's easily Connor McDavid. And he will, last I checked, represent the Pacific Division. Yes, uh, I can confirm that. In theory, somebody would say, oh, but what if a goalie is going to... Look, they're not going to, okay? These guys are not risking injury. None of them are. But a goalie is definitely not risking injury in three-on-three. Also, with the idea of like player preservation, I can't believe we send NHL goalies to this thing to just have their groins ripped to shreds seemingly on two on ones and three on O's left, right and center. I'm thrilled they do it. And I understand how weird it would be if it's just like, uh, here's Scott Darling or, or whatever, or sorry, Scott Foster, uh, the old, the old accounting goalie from Chicago and David Ayers or whoever. But the idea that we just sick NHL goalies like this, uh, have fun. Please don't get hurt because your team season will be over. If you did listen, at least in the Atlantic division, they pretty much just neglected all defensemen. I would be okay if they neglected goaltenders because they can't really add much. Just have them go like the old like three posts. It's like, yeah, just shooting for crossbars if, today, if boys. If you just put like a replacement level at like a goalie who can play, who just wears like all white or all black, like is just like an anonymous mm, like robot. I like this. Then you get like, I mean, I think you be part of it might be, hey, we don't even want to embarrass these guys. And we're yeah. like, they're not warm and they were out drinking the night mm-hmm. before. Like, do we really need to, as you put it, yeah. tear apart their hamstrings and, and, uh, and groins? Like, it's just, it's not really necessary. So. Uh, there's a couple things that could be added to the All-Star game to help improve it. And maybe fewer goaltenders could do that quickly. Where does the NHL All-Star game rank amongst the four North American All-Star weekends? How would you rank them one to four? When it was a game and not this three-on-three junk, okay, because I'm 75 years old apparently, I had it second behind the NBA All-Star game. That is still the crown jewel because they can do whatever they want until the last five minutes. Well, I know they have the Elam ending now, which is great, Mm -hmm. but until it's crunch time and then it's a real basketball game and guys are checking each other up, like it's just, it's great. It is exactly what you hope an All-Star game is. When the NHL had just teams and it wasn't three-on-three and it was conference or Team North America versus World or however you want to do it, I liked that one second because you would still have moments where you would have guys trying or breaking up a two-on-one or, oh, look at this, two guys you'll never see on a two-on-one together, those kinds of things. Then I like MLB because the idea of, and this is a purely aesthetic, when they wore their own team's jerseys, absolutely love the way that looked out there. It's the closest to a real game and that you can have a pitcher and batter kind of really dueling out there. And then obviously they don't even do the Pro Bowl anymore, so it's last. Yeah, Pro Bowl is last. I don't think I've ever, uh, the most content for the Pro Bowl I've ever consumed might have been last night while I was prepping for this show and it was just on in the background honestly mine, mine is r.i.p uh bill's legend brian mormon when sean taylor almost yeah, killed him in the game that's lit that's it though that's it, all we it got. is the greatest moment in pro bowl history but i have to admit i did not watch it live like not. i've never been into it ever it's always like this is the weekend to get away from the pro bowl mm-hmm. get away from football for one weekend recharge the battery it's last i think the all-star game in the nhl is third last unfortunately i do like elements of it i will watch the skills competition there are things that i like i put the i put the mlb all-star game number one okay it's closest to an actual game you can see the full skills on display it also comes at a great time because it's like okay watching a lot of blue jays baseball what's (laughs) what else is going on like a couple stories like i get into that i can watch that 
that night. And the NBA All-Star Game is always pretty good. Like, uh-huh. it's pretty close. I think, like, the there's a lot of entertainment factors that play into it, whether it's just people getting excited being there, other things that are happening, celebrities. I just think it's more of a viewing experience. Uh, but the NHL All-Star Game has, I guess, room to improve. And the one the one thing the NBA All-Star Game has going for it as well is that at the end, you do get this kind of sussing out of the pecking order. Like, who gets the ball? There's going to be one guy on each yeah. team who gets the ball and in their hand. And it means something. It like, does, again, exactly. We just talked about Chandler Stevenson and Seth Jones. Like, they're not... Chandler Stevens having a great year. Seth Jones is not an all-star. Like, it's not happening. And that does not happen with the NBA. Nope. If you get there, you deserve it. And I think it, it you you take it more seriously For because sure. it does actually matter. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that, like, you'll you'll be remembered. You go, it's, it's a real distinction to be an NBA player and to make the all-star yep. game. And that's why it still matters. Uh, let's go through quickly the anchor selections before we complete the parlay. Uh, we got about uh, I got about six here, I think. Maybe five. Uh, a light day, of course, with no NHL action. And the Raptors and Houston Rockets are in action. But uh, again, we've been, we just, we're lacking player props uh, from the Raptors of late because there is so much uh, in flux. Mm-hmm. And we don't know, well, we kind of know who's going to be in the lineup. Uh, it won't be OG and an OB tonight. Um, but the Raptors, you know, anything could happen. It seems at any moment. So maybe they're being a little bit closer to the vest with their prop selections. But we'll go through the wake and rake anchor selections here. Good morning for today's anchor. I'm going to name... Uh, bring a name that hasn't probably been used yet. Mikhail Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. Take him to go over 18 and a half points. Nine of the last 10 games, he's hit that. And Ron's daughter, Juliana, will take Fred Van Vliet to get a double-double today, plus 185. So if we're looking for a Raptors play, maybe it's Fred who's been filling up the stat okay. sheet of late. Eric from Burlington says he likes the Celtics over nine and a half. They just seem to be all around better than their opponent, than the Suns. Uh, they won by 27, so the spread feels pretty comfortable. Yeah, minus 450 on the money line there, so I think you can feel comfortable about them uh, squeaking out a win. Definitely. Uh, he likes them over 10, though, with the yep. with the line set at 9.5. Jagan Scarborough uh, likes Pascal over points after the outrageous snub. He says he comes out firing, drops a 50-piece. I'm worried about Pascal. We haven't been able to rely on Pascal Siakam because mm. he's being lined all season long where he's at, at least in terms of point totals, but he's struggled over the last month, uh, whether it's the fact that he's being run into the ground a little bit by Nick Nurse or whatever it is, he's been struggling to maintain that pace. Uh, Neil from Newfoundland, couple picks in the tennis world. Niskova was his pick yesterday, four and a half on the spread. It's now this afternoon, so you can still grab that. And he's got Holger Rune, minus five and a half games over Bambri. Rune is the number nine in the world and has had a dominant year. Bambri, a lower, lower level player right now. So if you're into the uh, into tennis and into Neil, you can grab those two picks. Good and job. finally, Corey from Port Hope. Jokic over rebounds last night was basically a no sweat after he got 10 in the first half. Today, Corey from Port Hope likes Laurie Markinen over 26 and a half points. Anything stand out to you there? I like the Markinen, and I do. I was I was teasing, but I actually do like the Celtics. That was the one I was kind of circling. Uh, that just nine and a half. I know it's a big line in the NBA. Uh, feels like it could be 12 or 13, and you'd still feel kind of confident about it. Uh, so that is the one I like the most. Markinen as well. Just feels like a perfect kind of matchup for him. And God, he's been so good this year. Uh, so you feel good throwing him in there. In terms of rap stuff, you're right. Like, especially when you look at points, it's like, you really like Scotty Barnes to go over 20 points? I don't there. It's like you're still paying a VIG if you want to do that for Trent or Van Vliet or or Pascal. Obviously, you're, you're going to have to pay a lot to get him around that number. So you're you're right. The, the Raptors, especially the point props, really, really tough there. So the two that stood out to me, I like Markkanen and I, uh, I like the Celtics there. 
Let's put the Celtics in just because, uh, you know, better time zone mm-hmm. for us. We can Way maybe better. maybe tune into that one more often than we'll tune into the Jazz and Hawks who are in the nightcap tonight in the NBA. Uh, I'm going to keep it simple. Maybe in honor of Ailish Forfar who likes to light the beam. I like the Sacramento Kings minus two and a half on the road in Indiana tonight. Indiana played last night, lost a heartbreaker to LeBron James and the LA Lakers. Uh, pretty hard fought game. Uh, we're looking towards... We're not at the the other All Star games are in play right now, so the, the NBA churns along. But back to back for the Pacers, short spread game. Demontis Sabonis going back to Indiana. They played each other a bunch of times. Halliburton just named to the All Star game, so maybe he has a big game, maybe he doesn't. But I think Sabonis will want to make a statement, and the rested Kings get a win and cover over the Indiana Pacers. I, I like that as well. I did. That was one I was looking at uh, for me. Let's just go straight up money line. We mentioned marketing and we like him. Let's like his team. Just money line for the jazz. Uh, they're minus oh, we one, do have to stay out there. They're, they're minus. minus <laughs> two, yeah, we, we're going to stay out there anyways. Uh, minus 125. Uh, take them against the Hawks. That's who I like there. Okay. So the wake and rake is the Utah jazz money line. The Celtics nine and a half on the spread to blow out the Suns at home and the Sacramento Kings to win on the road in Indiana by three or more. All that is plus 55 where I'm seeing it. And quickly stay safe out there. If you're doing any golf betting, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, they're playing on different courses. They're celebs in the mix. It is as tough a week to prognosticate. So I love a golf bet, but you might want to stay away from that one this weekend. Okay. One thing you're looking forward to the weekend. We got the Pro Bowl. We got the NHL All-Star game. We got the Raptors concluding their Western Conference road trip. I believe they end off in Memphis. Is there anything that stands out to you heading into the weekend? Yeah, I do like the NHL skills contest. It can get a little redundant at times, but it feels like it's gone away. They freshened it up a little. I love the accuracy shooting too. Hardest shot, fastest skater. It's old school. It's great background watching. That's what I'm most fired up for this weekend and to watch some golf. Let's be honest. I, I think honestly, the the big thing, the thing for this weekend is what are Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin planning like it sounds ridiculous it's probably going to be dumb but if Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin are advertising that they are collaborating on something together at an NHL all-star weekend I kind of want to see what they're cooking up can't wait to see it honestly so we got it's gonna be hokey and it's gonna be cheesy but it will make it will bring a tear to my eye and we'll make fun of it and it'll be great so Ovi and Sid at the all-star game in Florida we got the Pro Bowl as well I believe that's in Vegas a lot of all-star things and an all-star fill-in today with Brent Gunning. Thank you, thank you. It's been the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Brent. Uh, We'll talk to you on Monday.